Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. There's a change at the top at Michigan State. Athletic Director Bill Beekman is stepping down after a short but impactful tenure in East Lansing. A surprising move, to say the least, as the Spartans kick off fall football camp. We will discuss the departure and potential place replacements, as well as the latest in the Amani Bates sweepstakes on episode 42 of MLive's Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you on a rainy and sunny Friday, August 6th, 2021. Uh, we'll get right into the news in a second here. I want to jump right in today because we've got a lot to get to. But if you could please like, rate, and review the podcast wherever you're listening. Check out our work at MLive.com slash Spartans. Hit us up on Twitter. And also, we found out this week in a nice meeting that we uh, have a voicemail line that you can uh, hit us up on if you've got any questions, comments uh, about the show. You can simply do that by dialing 616-222-1022. So, uh, well, how about that, guys? A new toy that we got this week, huh? That's fun, right? Yeah, hit, hit, hit Brandon up with all those late night phone calls you guys got. They're all going right to him. Yeah. Yeah. Hit me up whenever you want. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, <laughs> Saturdays around 2 a.m. I'm in prime condition right about then. We can have a little chat if you want to, but no, no. But you can, you can hit us up on the voicemail. Once again, that's 616 222 1022. Just something new we're trying out. It works for some of our other MLive podcasts. Uh, so just another way you can get in touch with us. But guys, let's get right into it. Matt, I'll, I'll toss it to you first since you wrote the initial story here and then we can uh i think after we react to it we can sort of talk about some potential candidates for the for the job i think kyle you wrote a story about that but uh matt this news that bill beekman was stepping down basically broke like right in the middle of the first day of fall camp like i'm sure you were busy doing a lot of things and all of a sudden we see or maybe you knew about this but what was your reaction to the news um yeah i just got home from uh availability after the first day of fall camp and you know the news came out and um, no I mean it wasn't a surprise I'd heard last month that this was coming and just overall not not a surprise at all I mean when when Bill took this job I think he was seen by just about everybody as a temporary placeholder and, and for good reason I mean he had no previous athletic administrative experience Michigan State was in such turmoil you had Luana K. Simon resigned Mark Hollis resigned. You had the cloud of the Larry Nasser scandal. You had the ESPN story about football and basketball programs and the sexual assault allegations. It was basically, I mean, it was a, a toxic dump is, is the pretty much the impression Michigan state had um, nationally. And Engler was constantly saying things that 
Um, needless to say, didn't put Michigan State in a favorable light. So they, they went with Bill as a, temp, as a guy just to get them through. Because, you know, if you were going to conduct – you could – an interim president is not going to conduct a competent national search when your university is in, in a position like that. You just you're, – you're not going to get a candidate you want. So Bill basically seemed like, all right, fine, I'll take the job. And he got the job in part because Mark D'Antonio and Tom Mizzo put the weight behind him. Um, and it was clear in his contract that he knew what the deal was. You know, he, he was going to be a temporary guy. So when his contract said, you know, when, when, if he was um, let go for um, not without cause, he got an automatic five-year appointment to in a different vice president role. So, you know, he wasn't going to, he'd been at, he's been at Michigan state since 1995. He wasn't going to take the job for a year or two and, you know, be out in the streets looking for a new place to move his family, you know, after, you know, the, a new president comes in and hires an AD, which the new president's going to want to do. So, no, not a surprise. Um, and he, you know, he really, he, he saw the, the athletic department through tough times. Um, you had things I mentioned before, obviously COVID-19, um, the financial impact it's had, Mark D'Antonio resigning and or retiring and, and, hiring Bill, and hiring Mel Tucker. So, you know, those are some big moments. Um, the, the, his legacy will be tied to the Mel Tucker hire, and we'll see what that, you know, how that pans out in the future. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, not, not surprised that this, that this happened. It was, this was always going to happen. Kyle, how are you going to, like, look back on Bill Beekman's tenure? I mean, Matt just sort of touched on it. A short, but, I mean, there was a lot going on here between COVID and the, and the financial stuff, bringing in a new football coach. Um, I mean, how, how will you look back on his, his tenure here? You know, I think Bill was exactly what they needed um, at that moment. I mean, I mean, no one is mistaking him for a, a college athletics uh, visionary or a heavy hitter or anything like that. I mean, he was a low-key guy when they needed to be low-key who didn't uh, didn't make waves, did all the right things behind the scenes, um, didn't, didn't make things worse, which, I mean, sounds like a low bar, but – a lot of people failed to clear that around Michigan State for a while. So he, um, I, I, I think he led them out of the woods is probably the best way to put it um, and, and did it competently um, and, um, and positioned them, I think, to, to make a long-term hire and kind of get back to having a guy maybe that's a little bit more visionary and, and moving towards that. So he was certainly a – he was always going to be a stopgap guy. And I, and I give Bill credit because um, I, I think Bill is very self-aware and knew what he was and didn't try to be more than that. Um, um, I mean, certainly he's a very competent administrator, but he didn't walk in and try to be a sports guy and, you know, drop plays with Mel Tucker or you know, anybody. <laughs> like he, he, knew what he, he knew what he was. Um, and he was a guy that um, was in there to, um, to get them out of the woods. And then, you know, I think he was a good guy to have at the helm when COVID hit because he got a lot of, I mean, that was a budget issue for athletic department. Mm-hmm. And Bill Beekman is a budget guy. So, I mean, having a guy who's, um, who was maybe, a, you know, a former coach or something, you know, more on the athletic side of it, maybe that would have been more of a struggle for them. But I think Bill Beekman was a good person to have there. Um, I, I'm not sure they, you would have loved to have him make a football coaching hire. Um, I, I'm not sure that was really in his wheelhouse. Um, but I, I think a lot of athletic directors probably would have um, ended up with Mel Tucker. You know, he certainly didn't do any, you know, didn't go way outside the box or um, it wasn't, search wasn't some disaster. I mean, I mean, you can, I mean, we could argue what if, I mean, could, you know, could they have landed Luke Fickle with somebody else, a long-term athletic director? Maybe. I mean, that's the only thing I could think of as far as if we're going to play the what if game. But I think for the most part, Bill Beekman was what Michigan State needed. 
um, at that very difficult time when he came in. And I think he did his, what they needed him to do very well. Yeah, he steadied the ship, right? He, he gave them some yeah. flat ground to stand on, some, you know, let them sort of collect themselves and move on. I mean, Matt, you mentioned, I mean, we, obviously some of his legacy is going to be tied to how well and how successful or unsuccessful Mel Tucker is at Michigan State. We've only had the short season, but obviously a couple big wins. Uh, we'll find out soon enough how he does with his full, uh, I mean, as he likes to say, his second season, but we're going to say it's his first full season uh, as the head football coach. Um, but I mean, some of the, I think some of the, I mean, the huge gift for Matt Ishbia, uh, you know, the Rocket Mortgage Partnership. I mean, athletic directors are directly involved in, in bringing in that sort of fundraising, correct? I mean, they obviously had some huge uh, gifts come in during his time. I don't know if that's just coincidence or him actively seeking out those sort of things amid the pandemic. Do you get a sense uh, which way, if that had anything to do with it? I mean, I think the Ishbia thing is pretty unique to Michigan State. I mean, everybody, every university benefits from wealthy donors, but when you have a former basketball player who's now a billionaire after taking his company public, I don't, I mean, I'm sure Bill gets some credit for some behind the scenes work, but I think that was pretty well lined up for Michigan State um, with what they had going on with their obvious advantage in that situation. So, um, but yeah, you know, I, I had echo Kyle's points about him being a good guy to have at the top of the department during COVID and, and really trying to minimize the amount of, of, of money you're going to lose. So, um, and then, you know, the lingering effect, of the, uh, the swim, uh, eliminating yeah. the men's and women's swim and diving programs that's out there. Whoever, whoever becomes the next athletic director is just going to instantly get their name attached to a lawsuit. If, if assuming it's still pending, which by all accounts, um, unless it's dismissed before going to trial, which trial date is already set, uh, Michigan state will certainly have a new athletic director at that point, but that is another, um, part of his legacy, obviously. That's it's like, Oh, here, here's a new job. Uh, just to let you know, the second you take this job, you're going to be on a lawsuit. That's not exactly a great selling point, but whatever. So Kyle, I know you, I know you looked into, uh, you wrote a story here about some potential replacements. I've seen some names floating out there. I can't uh, say that I know much about the uh, free agency or uh, the, the market when it comes to athletic directors. Uh, maybe we need to ask big game boomer since he apparently knows everything and has the ranking of the ADs out there. Uh, but I mean, what are some of the names you were hearing uh, in pursuing uh, this story that they might be looking into? Um, well, I, I just want to make it clear first. These are my names, not, uh, not names that anybody's whispering in my ear. Um, you know, hopefully we, you know, we get that at some point, but, um, just kind of off the top of my head guys, people who, not just guys, um, men and women who I think would, um, would fit the mold and would make sense. Um, my list, I think a lot of people's list starts with uh, Martin Jarman. He's the athletic director at UCLA spent, uh, seven years at Michigan state, uh, working in development. So a lot of relationships here, you know, proven fundraiser, which is a background, a lot of people look for now. Um, and that went to Ohio state became athletic director at Boston college, and then went to UCLA. So a lot of experience, um, you know, Michigan state guy at, at Ohio state. So, you know, top of the big 10, um, was kind of Gene Smith's right-hand guy there. So, I mean, he's kind of your pie in the sky. Um, you know, um, UCLA is a pretty good job too. Uh, he's been there only a little bit more than a year, so it will be a pretty quick departure. So I think that might be a tough sell for him, but you never know what, you know, where somebody's head's at. So I think he's the first call you make at least to, to make, to see um, if he wants it. You know, past that, a couple couple names that made sense to me. Uh, Heather Like, AD at Pittsburgh. She was at Eastern Michigan before that, so she's been in the state. And before that, she was also at Ohio State for a long time. So I think the Big Ten experience helps. I think they'll probably look for somebody who's been in the Big Ten. 
Um, and, and I think they'd like to get a sitting athletic director, uh, and I think they can. Uh, I'm going to get into in, in a second here why I think they're in a good spot. But a couple more names. Uh, stadium, uh, Brett McMurphy at Stadium uh, mentioned Sean Frazier. He's at Northern Illinois, so a, a level below, but he's been there for a while. A lot of experience as an AD. Wisconsin before that, so there's a Big Ten tie. Um, uh, didn't make a good football coaching hire. You know, they, they were rolling for a while. You know, if you follow the Mac, uh, Northern Illinois historically been very good. Uh, Rod Carey, their coach left. Um, and Sean Frazier hired the replacement who was, went five and seven, oh, and six. So um, that can hurt you as an AD if you're going for bigger jobs, if you make a big hire and it doesn't work out. So um, I would keep an eye on that. Um, and then Alan Haller, you know, I, I don't mean to put him last. I think he's least um, likely. Uh, he's the internal candidate. He's the the number two in the athletic department, uh, you know, former Michigan State football player, uh, law enforcement background, worked in the athletic department. Um, you know, he's a guy that's very well respected. Um, you know, as soon as the Beekman news broke yesterday, uh, Sean Respert, you might have seen it was actually on Twitter already starting the um, mm -hmm. hire Alan Haller campaign. Um, and, and Alan's very well liked, uh, very competent, and, and I'm sure a lot of other people publicly or not publicly will be um, will be campaigning for him to get the job. Uh, whether Michigan State wants to go internal, um, I don't know. But if they do go internal, I think he's the obvious guy. Um, but I think if they want to go external, I, I think they're actually in a good spot. I mean, they were three years ago, we're in a very, very poor spot. But now I, I think, you know, the issues aren't gone. I'm not trying to minimize everything that happened, but I think they're far enough in the past that nationally, I, I don't think that's the first thing that comes to mind now. Um, and you know, I, you know, maybe I'm reaching here, but I, I think, I think with this, all this upheaval around college athletics, the realignment, uh, the game of musical chairs starting again, I think if you're at a school that's not in the Big Ten or the SEC, you're wondering what might happen to you, you know, are you, are the big schools going to leave your conference? It's already happened in the Big 12. Are you going to merge? I don't think anyone knows what's going to happen, but, um, I think the closest thing to a safe haven or higher ground you can find in college athletics these days is the Big Ten or the SEC. And, you know, Michigan State is offering a Big Ten job where you get a big budget. Uh, certainly, you know, you get a lot of TV money coming in, which is what athletic directors want. Um, you have obviously a very good basketball program. You have a football program that has proven that it can win the Big Ten in recent history. So I think they have a lot of selling points. And I think between what they're selling as far as budget, recent success, and some of the uncertainty, I wouldn't be surprised if a, a high-level sitting athletic director takes a serious look at them. Um, okay. And I think that would be a win for Michigan State. So, you know, I, I wouldn't rule them out doing something easy internal like that. But I think if they do want to cast their net wide, I think, I think they could get a decent pool. I could be wrong, but that's kind of my guess. I agree. I saw some national reporters out there throwing around names and talking about how Michigan State is a pretty attractive job in the current climate. I mean, it's a dupper tier mm -hmm. Big Ten team with a lot of money, a lot of resources. Uh, do you agree, Matt? Do you see it as a pretty attractive job where they could uh, maybe, you know, maybe not take their pick, but, uh, you know, get a good collection of candidates? Absolutely. You know, like I mean, we're just talking about, I mean, if you're in the Big Ten, the, the money um, speaks for itself. Michigan State has quality facilities. You just got a $32 million gift from Matt Ishbia. Um, you, you could be in a lot worse position. And like Kyle just mentioned, you've kind of moved on from some of the stuff that was, was making this, uh, you know, made it pretty much impossible for them to conduct a search nationally like they would have three years ago. So they're in a much better spot, and I think they should be able to attract quality candidates. It'll just be interesting to see if um, you know, Samuel Stanley wants to make his own hire outside of the program, bring in somebody who 
who may have Big Ten ties, may even have university ties like Martin Jarman or, um, or stay with somebody internal with obviously Allen being the top candidate and the guy who's got um, quite the background, you know, having played football at Michigan State, um, having been played in the NFL, his work as a in police in, in Michigan State University police and now in athletics. I mean, he was part of the, the Mark D'Antonio hire. He was on the search committee with Bill to, uh, to hire Mel Tucker. He's been highly involved. Um, and, you know, obviously if they go internal, He's the guy. What What do you make I, of the timing? I wanna, go ahead, Kyle. Sorry, I didn't want to throw one more thing. And I, I know that everybody doesn't always get um, get super excited about ADs because they're a little bit behind the scenes. But I I would be willing to bet that whoever they hire um, for this job is going to oversee the transition to an ex basketball coach. Because I think yeah. Tom is so. If you're paying attention to what he's saying, I think he's making it pretty clear five years or less for him. Um, that's my guess. Things can always change. And I think they're looking to make a long-term hire now. Um, and, and these jobs change. You never know. But I think there's a good chance that whoever is in this job is overseeing that. And that's going to be uh, that's going to be an interesting thing when it happens. I'm sure we could do a whole episode on that. But uh, <laughs> how much of a seat is this you'll have? Do you just, you know, let him write down your name and take it? I mean, is, I mean, and how forceful is a new, newish AD going to be? You know, and, you know, if they, if they disagree on it, how does that play out? we certainly know that some of these transitions have gotten, gotten messy before. Um, so um, th- th- that to me is, I mean, obviously, you know, people are going to hope Mel works out, but you know, you could be looking at, you know, football too, but I, I think I-, I would be willing to bet that whoever this is, is going to, that's going to be one of the main, main legacies is overseeing the basketball transition. Well, for your sake, Kyle, I hope the basketball transition doesn't come with a, message from me to you at 1.30 in the morning to see if you're still awake. <laughs> uh, just, just make Tom Izzle the AD, right? I mean, he seems like he could be AD material. Yeah, yeah I, I, that actually came up in a recent conversation with him a couple months ago, and he uh, did not seem interested then. But, uh, but... <laughs> Maybe someday. I mean, what George Perlis became an AD, right? I mean, they've had other guys, former coaches, maybe down the road, you know, obviously not right now. That's not happening. I'm being facetious, but uh, I mean, do you make anything of the timing right before football season starts? Or does that just make sense? Cause it's sort of the start of the athletic year sort of, you know, kind of kicks off with the school with the new semester. I mean, you got, you're through the last fiscal year, um, mm-hmm. basically two months through it or whatever now or a month plus so I think I mean I don't know I wouldn't make a big deal a huge deal about the timing I think part of the time may have been COVID related mm-hmm. you know if if Stanley wanted to make his own hire as university president uh, which I mentioned earlier that's what tends to happen um, <laughs> doing so when every athletic department in the country is just absolutely shredding cash you know uh, that's it's not a good time. So I think you had to get through that, that and that may have postponed it. Who knows, but um, you're in a little more comfortable spot and, and, you know, build said last, you know, was it May or whatever. I mean, he was talking last talking about the budget that, you know, they needed a $10 million loan from the university to cover their losses, but he thought they were in basically as good or better position as anybody in the big 10 financially as coming out of COVID and, and shortfalls. Cool. Well, we'll, t- we'll keep an eye on it, obviously, uh, as this uh, search goes on. But uh, just another thing to keep an eye on here in the athletic department that some new blood coming in, most likely. So uh, it'll be interesting to track. But that's enough of the off-field stuff, guys. I hate when we got to spend so much time on off-field stuff. Uh, football season is coming. Let's not distract ourselves that football is coming. It is August. Uh, it's on the way. Matt was at practice uh, the other day. Uh, what, for the first time in a long time, right? I mean, that had to have been fun 
just hearing the hearing some the whistles going and the guys being excited but uh give us an idea of what it was like at practice the other day yeah first time we've been on the practice fields for them practicing since august 2019 um so yeah a little bit of time uh yeah i mean we only got to watch about 15 minutes three periods they weren't doing anything you're really gonna glean anything from it was you know group work basically the whole time. So your receivers are together, your running backs, your offensive line, blah, 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 blah. So um, I can't, I didn't, I don't think a quarterback threw a pass at all during the 15 minutes we were out there. So if you're looking for a breakdown there, you're not going to get it. Um, To to be honest, the the one thing I could tell you that I noticed that to stand out was when I went over to look at the offensive line, the group left to right was horse to playing Alan Jarvis, our Curry. So that would tell you for the speculation that Horst could come in, Jarrett Horst from transfer from Arkansas State could come in having experienced the last two years at left tackle, or Curry keep his left tackle spot and Horst move to right tackle. It looks like it maybe maybe it'll be the opposite. You know, our Curry is the returning starting left tackle, but maybe he moves to right tackle. And then what all the speculation was was that doing something like that would allow Kevin Jarvis, last year starting right tackle, to move to right guard where he began his career at Michigan State as a two-year starter. And just seems like a better fit for him physically that, you know, with his size. So that's about the highlight from, from that, you know, we saw Mel running the practice and the coaches overseeing it, but I mean, there was, there's a very little you can take away from just watching, watching that portion of practice, but um, they're there. They're, they're getting to work. Today was day two. It's exciting. We were, we were seeing our, I mean, we were obviously we're following all your guys' reports on Twitter and the little video clips of what we did see. And uh, first of all, I noticed Keon Coleman is a very large person uh, compared to, he was standing next to Jalen Naylor and he looked just like way bigger, but uh, number zero on the football field also going to take some getting used to for me. Uh, but it was, it was fun to see him out there. Seemed like a lively spirited practice. Mel Tucker debuted his hat again, which, uh, I got to find that, man. I got to, I got to know where they're selling those things. Do you think they are selling them? Cause that hat, man, that's just fire. I'm, I'm sure you could find it somewhere. I don't know how I got put on a list, but I got, I get an email like once every day from some Michigan state apparel thing sent to me about all the new gear they have. I don't know how I got on the list, but I get them every day. I, I delete them every day without opening them. So um, <laughs> I'll forward it to you next time. If you want to look through there to see if there's a, that straw hat that uh, Mel has been wearing now for two straight summers. It's cause you're a Man, fashion my, my question, icon. My question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think, I, I think Mel is certainly the more fashionable of the recent Michigan. State <laughs> yeah, but, a little uh, bit. <laughs> my question, because I had an ill-timed final vacation of the summer and missed the first practice, but we'll be there for the rest of them. Um, I, I feel like when they showed up, everyone's like practices have more energy, which I feel like it's what you always say when there's a new coach, but like mm-hmm. from the three periods you saw, like was it, did a team noticeably different from a Mark D'Antonio practice or is football practice, football practice? Uh, you know, it depends. I mean, I think coach to coach, everybody's different. Um, you know, some are a little more demonstrative, some are a little, you know, softer talkers, but you know, I spent the 15 minutes going spot to spot. There's uh, Scotty Hazleton and Ron Burton working the defensive linemen. Both were obviously very engaged. Chris Kapilovic is a very vocal coach. Um, he, he's got a lot of respect from, you know, Mel Tucker thinks he's as good as there is in the nation coaching the offensive line. Uh, Courtney Hawkins really, really involved with the wide receivers. He had this drill where they're stepping in and out of these plastic circles and he's throwing them tennis balls. I thought that was interesting, but you know, I'm not a college football player, so I can't tell you how, how, uh, how uh, um, common something like that is. So 
Um, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of energy. Uh, I guess different takeaways from previous um, experiences in a similar situation with Mark D'Antonio. I didn't hear uh, any music played over the speakers. Um, it wasn't a, any like uh, Mark's music collection was, was interesting that he liked to play. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I would say most of the 18 to 22 year olds on the team were big fans, but uh, I didn't hear any music um, and there was no warnings like has happened in the past when we'd be there and they'd be working on something on one of the fields and they would yell that the media had to turn around and could no <laughs> yeah. longer watch what they were doing on one half of the practice field. I always thought that was interesting. We didn't have I, I always love when somebody didn't figure it out and then like D'Antonio himself would like call him out in front of the hundred yeah. people in the practice. Oof. That was always good. Yeah. Oh, no, we did that. not. Don't be that. We did not have that. They opened <laughs> the doors. They let us in. They told us when we were, uh, when our last, when they gave us the five minute warning or whatever to get out. And then they told us to get out and then we left. And then we came back when practice was done. So we got to talk to Mel, um, Anthony Russo, Peyton Thorne, Connor Hayward, Kenneth Walker, and Michael Dow after practice. And, um, you know, you heard the things that you expect to hear. Hey, today was a great day. You know, good first practice moved around. Well, um, I mean, the big difference from this year to last year was there's certain, you know, the certainty there. I mean, there's still a pandemic, but, you know, when they opened practice last year, like Connor Hayward was talking about yesterday, he's like, we're just all sitting on Twitter every day, scrolling, or swiping, waiting to see when they're going to cancel the season. And I mean, you're not, you, you obviously don't have that sense this year. So, um, you know, I think there's, there's more enthusiasm now than there would have been last August, because I think, you know, you just had that cloud hanging over everything last August where you just waiting for the other shoe to drop and, and be sent home. Yeah, we kind of talked about that nonstop last year about how, and maybe we didn't talk about it enough, how just the mental aspect of last season, you know, constantly worrying if you're going to be playing, constantly worrying, getting tested, being isolated. I mean, that had to be tough for both the football and basketball team, considering what they were going through physically already, the demands it already takes to play a D1 sport at the major Big Ten level. And then you had all these mental strains where they can't decompress. So uh, hopefully this year will be a little bit more normal and we can get to it. Uh, season is fast approaching. We're in the month now. So uh, Northwestern will be here before we know it. But let's transition briefly to basketball. We've got a couple news items that we just want to touch on here. Uh, first of all, Aaron Henry was not drafted in the NBA draft, which I didn't find too surprising. I mean, we saw a lot of, you know, mocks that had him undrafted. There was some that had him, you know, in the second round, probably most had him in the second round, but he had those injuries in the combine. Kyle couldn't really showcase his skills. We talked about his shooting concerns in, in college. He does end up landing with the 76ers and I think, I believe he's on their summer league roster. Um, but were you surprised Aaron Henry wasn't drafted? Uh, I would say surprised, not shocked. Um, I, I mean, I, I thought that he would probably go, but the second round is so hard to predict. Um, and really at the end of the day, when you're talking about a, you know, a late second round being a late second round pick versus being a like priority free agent who signs and like, he signed a two-way contract. It's not like a tryout. It's not like a summer league camp. Like, like he got in a legit contract from them. I don't think there's a whole lot of functional difference. My understanding is between, you know, being a late second round pick and being one of these guys who signs early. Um, and in some ways I think you're even better off because I think you can, 
maybe depending how many offers he had, maybe pick your destination a little bit um, if, if you go the undrafted route. So I, I think he, and I'm sure he would have liked to get his name called because that's a big moment for anybody. Um, so I'm sure there's a little disappointment there. But at, at the end of the day, I think he's, he's pretty much is where he was going to be no matter what, which is on a summer league team uh, in a training camp trying to, you know, prove himself and, and make an opening night roster. And if not, uh, going to the G League and trying to, and, and going through that route and trying to prove himself. And I didn't see Cassius Winston on there. Uh, oh no, he plays for the Wizards. That's why. <laughs> I don't know why I just I think, got that I think, mixed up. And I and I think and I think he's on that roster. Um, and and you know they just traded uh, Westbrook, which I don't think makes Cassius the starter. But you know, <laughs> having a guy like him not in front of you anymore can't hurt, right? So. Yeah. No. I mean that was all. That was the jokes we were all making, right? When they got rid of. Yeah. When they got rid of him, it's like, oh, scared of Cassius Winston? No. Obviously, <laughs> not, the, obviously, obviously not the case. But uh, um, I mean, this, I think they play their first game if you're curious to watch uh, Aaron Henry uh, I believe they're playing in the Vegas Summer League which I think begins on Monday it looks like four o'clock they play Dallas uh, on NBA TV so if you want to catch a glimpse of, glimpse of Aaron Henry I mean we we kind of knew he was a tweener prospect obviously we wish him the best uh, but he's a guy who's gonna have to earn his spots I mean he's He's not an elite prospect, not considered that. A uh, little surprising to not see him drafted. I think state fans uh, especially know what he can bring to the table. So, uh, But the NBA, man, it's a whole other animal. There's a lot of good players out there vying for very few spots. So uh, it'll be interesting to track with Henry. But uh, just wanted to touch on that because it was interesting that he wasn't drafted. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add on that, Kyle? No, no, not, not, not really. Just that, you know, I, I think that – I mean, I think I saw a couple of people, I mean, saying, I mean, not to call out the, you know, um, the vocal minority, but like, oh, we should have stayed like nah, Aaron Henry did what he, what he was supposed to do. He maxed out last year. Um, and yeah, I mean, he didn't get drafted, but it's, it, it was the right move for everybody at that point. And um, he's going to be able to make his way if he can. So. Yeah. I don't know what else he would have accomplished at the college level. I mean, right. his stock wasn't really going to be higher unless somehow he came back for his senior year and turned into a lights out shooter, uh, which is very right. unlikely. I don't see how he was going to improve his stock from where he was this year because he's on this team this year. There's more guys that I think, well, we'll see, but I think there's more guys that can fill it up with the freshmen coming in. So uh, they, yeah. they better hope so. Yeah, I know. Right. It's, <laughs> A lot of unknown with this basketball team this year, but we got plenty of time to get into that. That's for sure. Uh, the last bit of news that I wanted to touch on is something that I thought we were done with, Kyle. I, I thought we didn't have to go down this road anymore, but we're really doing the Imani Bates thing again uh, with Michigan State because uh, twice now since we've last talked about him, he's trimmed his list of options. Michigan State was in his top eight uh, a couple days ago. He came out that he was going to reclassify to this season or tonight and. Uh, and, uh, you know, Michigan State was in the four with the NBA G League, with Memphis, with Oregon. So, of course, you know, here we go down the road again. And Twitter gets its wheels turning. The rumors start flying. You know, oh, Tom Izzo's holding a spot for him. Tom Izzo's doing this. Uh, he, he decommitted so Tom could have flexibility. Like, the rumors are flying, Kyle. Uh, it seems like G League or Memphis is, I would put Michigan State a distant third still, but what do you make of this, man? I, I'm kind of sick of talking about Imani Bates, if I'm just, being honest. Just when we thought we were out, Imani <laughs> pulls us right back in. He does. Um, he, does. he does. Yeah. Um, I, my take, I guess, is that I still just think that this is um, all a bit of a show before he eventually goes to the G League. Um, it's funny. I was thinking the other day, um, but before, the last time he was making the decision about where to play next day, 
you know, he and his people swore forever. I'm never going to go to a prep school, never going to go to a prep school. And then he went to a prep school. <laughs> um, and now, if you remember, like about a year ago now, the only option he was crossing off the list was G League. He said, you know, I don't think that's right for me. You know, all mm-hmm. respect to, you know, the NBA G League. I don't think that's what I want to do. Well, now here we are a year later and it's one of his four options. So maybe the, maybe the way to know what Amani's going to do next is to take the, the option that he, he, he pulls off the table immediately. That seems to be the MO. Um, but it, I think it's the most likely thing. I mean, he'll get a good salary there. We've seen the G League um, in operation for a year. By all accounts, it, you know, it did what it was supposed to do. It got, um, it got guys drafted highly. Um, I think, you know, it was a pandemic year, so it's a little bit different. But I, I think overall. I mean, Jalen um, Green went it, second. It, 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 so. Jalen Green went number two, yeah. So okay. um, I think, it, I think it, would, it would make sense. Um, and, you know, that seems to be, you know, you read the reporting, you know, the, the little breadcrumbs dropping out, and that still seems to be it. So I, that would still be my bet. In the, I mean, listen, I mean, basketball players his age get to make lists and do graphics, and I'm sure that, you know, he wanted to do that too. If anybody cared about what I was going to do with my life, I'd probably make lists and graphics and tweet them <laughs> out and anything too. So, I, no, I can't blame him, but I, I think that's, that's kind of that's – my guess is that's what this is. But – you know, I, you know, I've seen the crystal balls or whatnot for Memphis. I mean, at, to me, like if he does go to Memphis, like that's a kick in the pants for Michigan State fans because the, you know, the whole thought here was like, all right, you know, he's gonna go pro, that's fine. Um, but if he goes to college, then it's to Michigan State. That was the thought for forever. But if he does end up going to college, but not Michigan State, like that's the only thing that hurts if you're, you know, if you're Michigan State. If he goes to the G League or some other pro, you know, that's fine. That's, that's what he was going to do. But that's, to me, like, if I'm a Michigan State fan, that's the only thing that hurts me if he goes to Memphis, particularly if he goes to Memphis for two years. Yeah. Um, because that's where you feel like, okay, you could have won that battle. You know, maybe you can't win a, a battle against the G League. But um, I would have thought, given Michigan State's position, they could have won that battle against Penny Hardaway if, if it comes to that. I've thought that so many times since Penny Hardaway got to Memphis. This guy – clearly can recruit man i mean he's obviously got the NBA <laughs> pedigree he's got connections i don't know how good of a coach he is because memphis has largely uh, underachieved i would say since he's been there considering the talent he's had uh but man can he get some guys i mean jaron jaron duran is another top prospect who's talking about going to memphis and he's predicted to go to memphis i mean he, he, he could be, be playing there with the amount of time you hear this yeah i think he's yeah. announcing friday night we're recording on friday afternoon so that yeah. might happen by the time you listen to this it's wild. Although, I mean, I think, I think the dirty little secret is that a lot of players don't care that much about how many games you win and winning <laughs> championships. You know, yeah. guys want to guys be developed um, and get drafted highly. And, and that's probably not fair. There's a lot of guys who do. Um, and I, I shouldn't speak about Imani because I don't know what Imani's intentions are. But I, I will just say generally, when you see a lot of guys going to – uh, Memphis or, and there's other reasons guys go to weird places, but you know, Memphis or DePaul. A hundred thousand of them. Where, yeah. That don't, um, <laughs> that don't, I mean, obviously those can be reasons too, but a lot of times it's just, Hey, I want to go be the dude on a team. I want to be able to do what I want to do. Um, which is, you know, um, not always the case at Michigan state, um, you know, showcase myself, get X number of shots. Um, and I want to, you know, go get drafted really high. So, um, so who knows? But yeah, that's um, but Penny's success. It hasn't shocked me that uh, that Memphis has gotten really good players, but hasn't exactly made a Final Four yet. Do, do, do you think Amani even knows what he's going to do at this point? Because I don't think anybody really does. Maybe his dad. Maybe he does. Maybe Gabe Brown right. knows something secretly. I don't know. Like, 
Every, there's so I, much I speculation. Bet, I would bet that he does. Yeah, I think so yeah, too. I would, I would bet that he does. Um, I, I, and I mean, the other one is like the fact that he's reclassifying. I mean, that wasn't surprising, but mm-hmm. um, you know, that was like, you know, it's almost falling into place for what Michigan State fans wanted. They're just not quite involved now. As far as him reclassifying, still, um, um, still considering college. You know, Michigan State has spots open, although I can tell you that that's not you know for money you know being held um so you're crushing everyone's <laughs> uh, dreams right now kyle i'm <laughs> sorry i'm sorry i mean there's um but yeah i mean i'll, I'll be interested um i don't does he have an announcement date i don't think he does so. no it'll probably be like some random one o'clock on a tuesday and he'll just pop on sports center and commit again or say what he's gonna do uh, it's just wild man I, but at least that we're gonna know soon right not this reclassify now at least we don't gotta wait as long we're gonna get an answer here eventually i mean it's gonna be getting close to basketball season here uh i mean when does practice start like in the fall right don't they start practice and yeah, I mean they're they're doing summer stuff now. They'll probably uh, that'll probably wrap up here pretty soon, and then yeah, late September is usually I think when uh, when they get going. So I mean he'll, um, I mean practically speaking, if he wants to play college basketball. I mean that'll have to be within the next month or so just to get enrolled and on campus and everything. Um, right. So we'll probably know by then. <sighs> Hopefully. It's been a long road when it comes to Imani Bates, man. And uh, you know, Michigan <laughs> State's been right in the thick of it, and they still are. I mean, he's in their top four. He's one of four options. They, you know, got a 25% chance, theoretically, here to, to win the sweepstakes. But, uh, you know, G League or Memphis seem to be ahead currently. But, you know, as we've seen with Imani Bates, a lot of things can change quickly. So... Uh, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Spartan Confidential Podcast. I uh, appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, we will continue to keep you updated on the developments from camp and from the basketball team. Uh, Matt, do they let you know yet if you're going to get uh, what kind of access you're going to get throughout camp? Is it once a week type thing or just press conferences? Do we have any clarity on that? Yeah, yeah. We're once or twice a week. Um, and, you know, should be some more of the same. You know, let us watch a little bit of practice talk to Mel, talk to players, talk to assistants. So, um, yeah, keep you updated. should be every week, so we should have new stuff to, to be able to talk about. Cool. Yeah, if you could just please like, rate, and review the podcast. And, again, that voicemail line, 616-222-1022. Hit us up with your questions or comments and keep leaving those reviews. Uh, but appreciate everyone for listening. Matt, Kyle, thanks as always. Everyone have a good weekend. And until next time, thanks for listening. And go Green.